Hi, it's Dr. John. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, I'm really excited to have Deborah Burton, who started a company called Seniors Choice. So she helps uh, really aging individuals stay in home and really helps them implement a lot of the things that they need to do, uh, especially dealing with you know the state or federal government um, and also the healthcare systems. So Deborah, thank you so much for joining thank you for us. Thank having me today. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, so walk me through in terms of how you got started, because you had a lot of experience in this domain before. You worked for several organizations, and then you decided yes. that there was this niche, and I'm really passionate about doing it a certain way, and I'm just going to go do it. So I, I am very, very passionate about it. I've been with the long-term care ombudsman's office. They do advocacy um, for individuals who live in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Mm -hmm. Before that, I did some work in the Veterans um, Administration, looking at where do vets go when they discharge out of, long, uh, out of the hospital? What long-term care systems do they choose and why do they choose it? And before that, I was with Brown University in their Institute for Community Health Promotion, really looking at health effects and how it impacts employers. And what I realized as I was going forward in life is that there is a lot of information available, but not really a way for individuals, particularly seniors, to access that information. And so they go with whatever voice is telling them um, at the moment. So if they're in the hospital, the discharge planner is going to direct them to uh, place A, or their children have heard about place B and they're going to go to place B when in reality they don't have a full scope of the knowledge available to make informed decisions. Mm. And I realized that there are people who were really not in a, an appropriate setting, not receiving the kind of quality care that they need and deserve. And I thought, I have this knowledge, I am super passionate about it. Um, I can advise them, I could give them some guidance and help them make the decisions as they go forward. So that when they're choosing a facility, when they're choosing care, when they're choosing to stay home, they're really more fully informed and that they can stay safe and stay home for as long as possible. So it's about really keeping people at home. Yes. And uh, so walk me through your process in terms of somebody comes to you, what do you really look out for? Somebody comes to you and says, well, I don't know if either it's a family member or the individual themselves. Mm -hmm. How do you guide them through the process? What's your assessment look like? So it varies. So sometimes people just need some real guidance as to what to expect in the disease process, what services are available in the state, so they can do a 30-minute or 60-minute consultation call with me. I do that on a conference call line because what often happens... <coughs> edit that out. <laughs> what often happens is you have the individual here doing the caretaking, but you have another family member out of state who's going to provide guidance on actually doing the work here. So I offer the conference call so that everyone can be on the conversation at the same time. Mm. Otherwise what happens is the caretaker hangs up the phone and the other individual out of state calls and says, well, why didn't you ask? Fill in the blank. This gives everybody the opportunity to be out in the open, have their questions answered. I also offer in-person consultations. So sometimes the children want to kind of get a sense of me face-to-face, -face, have their questions answered before they introduce me to mom and dad who realistically are, are often pretty fragile, and then I can move forward from there. If it is an individual who perhaps is an elder orphan or they have long distance caregivers, I can meet one-on-one -on -one with them. Um, they can reach me via Facebook, they can find me on my website, they can call me, and I can go out, meet with the senior, and really assess what do they want. Are we looking at individuals who are home and maybe debilitated, maybe they have some mild cognitive impairment happening, or are they perhaps um, encountering some physical deficits where maybe mm. they need some PT in the house and they would be strong and able to get up and going? Um, do they need home care? If so, what kind of home care? Is it a homemaker or is it perhaps a CNA? 
would they be better suited in perhaps a senior center or an adult day health program? There are such a wide variety of services out there, but a lot of times people don't have the conversation. Um, they don't know the questions to ask. And so I'm here to not only answer the questions they have, but to perhaps answer the questions they didn't think to ask. So you're, you come in as uh, essentially a concierge that helps them triage the appropriate people they should be talking to, the appropriate services. Exactly. And then do you physically um, make the referrals out yourself or how do you work with the families and individuals to coordinate? It depends on what they need. So for some people actually reaching out for themselves, that might be a barrier. Um, so I can do that for them or I can give them the contact information for people that they should reach out to. For example, if someone doesn't have, say, a healthcare power of attorney or a financial power of attorney in place, they may already have an elder law specialist um, that they're working with, and that's great, That go forward. If they don't, there are individuals that I am frequently in contact with that I would refer them to, and again, it's up to them. If it is something where the individual is not able to make that that first call, I can make the call for them. Um, sometimes we've found uh, research shows that quite often the barriers to staying home are easily overcome with three things, and that is someone to oversee the medication for someone, someone for the IADLs, so not necessarily the physical caretaking, but really the homemaking, the laundry, the grocery shopping, mm. and a handyman to fix the things, to install the grab bars, to make sure that the home is maintained. The ideal is uh, independent daily living? Exactly, exactly. So um, it's not the personal necessarily hands-on care that many home care agencies will sell, is that we will have the CNA come out to help you in and out of the shower. You may not need the help in and out of the shower. What you might actually need is to find who can you trust, what reliable contractor can you trust to come in and say, install the grab bar so that you don't fall in the shower. Mm. And unfortunately, there are a lot of scam artists out there, and people need to be super aware of um, friends popping up out of the blue or handymen knocking on your door, or women, um, any service industry professional popping up out of the blue, because seniors don't always take the time to double check references to make sure they license, bonded, and insured. Mm. And these are all services that I make sure of before I recommend anybody. Um, particularly in relation to home maintenance, repair, anything like that. So it seems like you're the daughter that knows what's going on. <laughs> yes, actually many people have referred to me just like that, but I don't want to offend any daughters out there. <laughs> it's what does it take to help that senior stay home? And also, uh, so walk me through in terms of if somebody does need to find an assisted living facility, because that's mm -hmm. been a huge issue for a lot of individuals, right? Because mm -hmm. Medicare only covers you for 100 days. Mm -hmm and then long-term care insurance is unaffordable for most people. Yes. And then there's Medicaid, yes. where you know, you've got that five-year look back, but then also your choice of facilities mm -hmm. can be limited. Yes. So how do you guide somebody through that maze um, from a financial perspective, from a quality of life mm -hmm. perspective, and making that decision of when mom or dad needs to find a place? Yeah, so Sometimes it's assisted living facilities. Um, most of them are private pay. There are only a handful that take Medicaid. Um, here in Rhode Island, you would have to have assets under $4,000 and an income roughly under $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So very low income. Um, most uh, people I talk to are not aware that Medicare does not cover long-term care. And I always tell people, you know, Medicare, we care for our aging and disabled. 
we aid our poor, so we have Medicaid. Unfortunately, many seniors are both. But when it comes to an assisted living facility, many are private pay. Um, if you can get into one that is not private pay, that does accept Medicaid, that's great. But regardless if you're looking for an assisted living facility or a nursing home, I always tell people, use your senses mm. right off the top. So whether you use my services to help you find the place that best meets your needs or you're going forward alone, use your senses. So when you walk in, schedule your official tour with the facility and make sure when you walk in, does it look like a place that your loved one would want to be? So for instance, I might like the country decor. You might like the modern decor. If you're looking for me and you're picking modern, it's not going to be satisfactory to me. So really look at it with your loved one's eyes. What does it look like? What does it look like when the staff are interacting with the residents? Is it kind and respectful? Is it, um, for example, oh my God, that's so cute. Oh, I really love that. Oh, he looks so cute. Well, the words coming out of my mouth are not abusive. But you're also thinking, I'm an adult. Why are you talking to me like that? So you want to make sure that the interactions are appropriate. If you are going in after a mealtime, take a look at the other residents. Is there food down the front of them? because that's a dignity issue. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that people are being cared for. So what do you see when you go in? What do you hear? Do you hear the call lights going? Just that constant beep, beep, beep sound. Because realistically, what if that were you and you were waiting to say, go to the bathroom or report that you're having chest pain? You want to make sure that as quickly as possible after that call light is, is hit, that staff member come in because otherwise, it's going to be too long. So you really want to hear, you know, what's going on? Is it polite and respectful interactions happening? Are other residents interacting with each other? Um, nobody wants to move into a place and be the new kid in the cafeteria trying to find the right spot to sit. So you want to see, is this a community where I would feel comfortable? So it's like high school all over exactly, again. Exactly, exactly. And you, know, you, you have that, oh, I'm the new kid in the block feeling. And it doesn't change as we age. Mm. We want to fit in. You know, that's something that's really important to us. So then, so it's what you see. What do you hear? What do you smell? So, in, for example, in this environment here, there's a neutral smell. You don't smell anything at all in particular at all. And that would be great if you walk in the facility and it's that neutral non-scent. It would be normal if it, says, it had a smell like perhaps someone just left the bathroom. That happens. If it smells like a porta potty on a hot summer day, that's a real problem. And that you might actually want to contact the Department of Health on. Because, again, it's a dignity and it's a quality of life and it's a sanitation issue as well. Absolutely. So you, so you really want to be aware of. And then overall, what does your gut tell you? you know, what, is it, what does it feel like overall when you go in? Does it feel like it's a good fit? Does it seem like a place that you would want to stay quite possibly for the rest of your life. So you really want to use all your senses. And once you go in and you take your official tour, you want to go back. You want to go back unannounced, perhaps on, say, a Saturday after 3 o'clock, because weekend staffing patterns are a little bit different. And it may all be fine. Everything may have the same appearance. But you want to do almost the same tour without the tour guide and see what is it like on the weekends? Are there activities going on? Or does everything kind of shut down for the weekend? Because for a lot of us, we've worked during the week and our normal behavior pattern is to do fun things on the weekend. Mm. Well, if you move into an environment where on the weekends everything is kind of quiet and dead, 
you might not feel comfortable with that. So you want to make sure, is it something that's going to work for you? So a lot of common sense, but definitely assigning a checklist and some techniques to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, you want to make sure that, you know, your coverage is something that, you know, the facility takes mm. um, and that you have uh, some resources or some manner mm. to afford the care. Do you find most people that you work with, are they taking the Medicaid route? Or are they taking, do they usually have long-term care in place or how do they usually pay for things like this? Most people don't have long-term care insurance. Um, it was a great product when it first came out. The actuaries um, did not predict very well at how long we would be living, mm. and which is great for us, not so good for the insurance companies. <laughs> so, you know, I'd strongly encourage if you're younger to get the long-term care insurance because here in Rhode Island, the average nursing home per day is $315. Wow. And people don't realize that. So quite often it is something where individuals have perhaps either elected to pay privately or they are applying for Medicaid, whether they are um, really do have low income or they have really worked with a, an estate planner to make sure that their um, resources are protected in some manner. Um, either way is fine. Mm. The individual who's caring for you in your private room is the same individual who would be caring for you in a semi-private room. You really want to look at the quality of the staff, the quantity of the staff, the quality of the facility. That, those are good checklists too. And, uh, and it's great that you coordinate, you know, from the time that you meet them, staying at home. And you know, one, last time we spoke, one of the stories that really stuck in my mind was that you would actually go to, you know, Department of Health and Human Services to help somebody, you know, drop off the application, do the yes. paperwork. So, yes. you know, walk me through those services because I'm sure that somebody that's really busy, mm -hmm. Somebody that might, you know, because people nowadays, money isn't everything. Exactly. Meaning that, you know, if you're working or you've got kids and, and you've got the means, people hire staff to help them. People hire consultants, attorneys, yes. and, and whatnot. So it just makes sense that for some things that you don't necessarily want to do, dealing mm -hmm. with the government, paperwork, <laughs> and all of that, that you would be able to hire somebody to do. And, yes. And that's sort of a rare service because yeah. there's not a lot of people that are willing to do that. So, mm -hmm. so you actually help people I do. with I, that process. Yes, I will come out to wherever they would like to meet. I give them a checklist on my uh, website so that when they schedule the time, they know exactly what documents that they need to have available. Um, I will go out, I will do the 40-page Medicaid application plus the 10 supplemental documents. Wow. It's quite a bit. Um, it's one flat fee. I collect all of the documents that are required for the Medicaid application and I hand deliver them to the Department of Human Services. I don't keep any of the documents on file, um, but I will get from the Department of Human Services the stamp that they've received it and then mail that information back. So that way, should a crisis occur um, and that individual needs to say go to a nursing home um, in a very short span of time, they have documentation that their Medicaid application is pending. Um, sometimes what happens is people don't plan ahead to have a crisis most people right. don't. And so you as the child may be walking into your parents' house, and now you have to try to figure out their filing system. Mm. Um, you're not really sure what documents you're looking for, what they look like. You've never seen any kind of Medicaid statements, Medicare statements, I mean. Um, so you just kind of throw all the paperwork in a bag and then bring it in. Mm. Um, I've had people come in with grocery shopping bags and just say, here, figure it out. Wow. Um, when you know what you're reading, it makes it very easy. But when you are the individual who you are worried about your loved one's health and you're worried about 
you know, being able to maintain your own family at home, that can be very overwhelming. So definitely getting organized and really having that structure and somebody else to walk you through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to shift gears a little bit too mm -hmm. because you're a business owner now mm -hmm. and you've gone off and you've started this on your own. How long ago did you um, decide that I was going to take this still skill set and go independent? It's coming up on a year now. Um, it had been in the making for probably about two years. It was one of those things that just kept calling me and calling me. And I said, you know, I, I have to do this because I'm seeing individuals who they could have stayed home mm. and they wanted to stay home. Um, but unfortunately... And that's a real passion, right? To just yeah. keep people at home, the quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it is accessing resources that you might not necessarily think of. So perhaps our religious communities may have volunteers who might come out and visit. So you don't want to have someone remain home if they are experiencing social isolation and becoming depressed because then you can have situations where they start failing, failing to thrive. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, dinner for one really isn't very fun to cook for sometimes. And so you just have a can of soup or a grilled cheese and that can impact so much of your health overall. Whereas if perhaps you have an individual, you know, maybe from your religious community who wants to come by, stop off for dinner. They can bring dinner. They can bring takeout. Yeah, definitely. It's something to look forward to exactly, as well. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, also, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Um, you can give me a call. It's 401-585-0509. You can find me at SeniorsChoiceConsulting.com. I'm also on Facebook at Seniors Choice Consulting as well. Perfect. So we'll put those links um, and also the number as well in the video so you know how to get in contact with Deborah. So thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for uh, having me. This is wonderful. A lot of fun and definitely uh, look forward to seeing you grow And because yeah. I think that's a really noble cause of you know, just finding out ways that people can stay at home and just maximize the resources that are available to them and helping them navigate through all the, the maze of all the information that's out there. It's a lot. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.